Hello and welcome to the RMR Training Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. Today, it's just me. Just me. It's the holiday season. We got a lot going on out here, RMR Meg and Kent. They're just doing holiday type stuff. And this kind of gave me an opportunity, something I've been thinking about for a while, uh, about just kind of getting on here and talking about some of the philosophies that we have around running, specifically for High Rocks. So we're going to do a deep dive on that today. Topics that we will cover is how much to run, how often to run, the factors that make a good running program for High Rocks, and some workouts to address these type of factors. So we're going to be going pretty deep on the running-specific stuff. A lot of that is because we just created and released a 12-week run-specific program for Hyrox. That's included in the app for just $14.99 a month, or if the subscription model is not really something you're looking for right now, you can buy it just one-off for $65 one-time purchase. Both those links are down below in the show notes, but you should get a decent idea of how to create your own kind of running plan if you just take some notes, maybe, if you want. And if it's something that you like, oh yeah, this guy might have a general idea. Maybe I'll try to put these into place. That's the goal of this one today. Just kind of give you an idea of what we've been thinking about when we've been creating these type of programs. So just to start, most of the time when we talked about what athletes need to improve upon for high rocks, as coaches, we see hear the same things over and over. It's like, just need to get faster. I need to get faster. Sometimes it's like my burpees are bad. <laughs> Sometimes like my wall bars are bad. But generally, running is where you're going to make up the most time. It is the biggest chunk of the actual race itself. So, act, so needing to improve on that running is like the low-hanging fruit when it comes to improving your performance for high rocks. But it's not always so straightforward as like, oh, just run more or needing to just do some speed work and what speed work actually means. Like what is fast when it comes to high rocks and how to develop like some specific running prowess where it's easy to just kind of go out and try to run more or try to just do fast speed work. And, and there's a little bit of nuance throughout and really how to build and progress it. So that's going to be the main pieces that we'll want to cover here. And, and from the start, just running is damaging. It will create a ton of catabolic damage within your musculature. And that could put a lot of stress on your ligaments, on your tendons, and on your bones. As you continue to pound, like it's just going to kind of pull at those bones. That's how things like kind of stress fractures happen. You can get some soft tissue stuff if not, if you're not taking the appropriate amount of recovery or if you're building up too fast. So that's just like the main disclaimer here, right? Like, yes, it's e like running more and doing a lot more and like volume in general is very helpful for an endurance athlete, but you need to be careful. <laughs> first things first, you need to be careful when you are planning on running more. So how much to run and how frequently they run are, are some things that are a little bit more nuanced. And it's better to start on the cautious side of that equation so that you have some room to build and grow up. Because this should be a long-term project. Like your running will get better, but like 
not the way that some of these stations get better. You can be like, I need to get better at the sled push. You can push a sled three times a week in the next race. You crush. <laughs> you take like two minutes off. You're as fast as anybody else out there. And you've just really improved your your ability to push that sled. And it's there's not a ton of room to grow beyond this, you know, whatever it is, three to six minute station. With running, this, the bounds are so much greater. <laughs> you're just doing so much more that you're not going to take off huge chunks of time when you just put a very specific run focus program in place. So it is a long-term build. So this is more than 12 weeks. Really, it should be years long to really get to where you want to go. So having an appropriate timeline when working on your running is very important here as well. So you will get better in, in like the short term. You'll see some good gains right up front, but it does take a while to help yourself really build into the long-term success of like the runner that you want to become. So when it comes to the idea of volume, like how much, how much should we run for high rocks, right? And in general, running an endurance work responds very well to to volume. So more is generally better. <laughs> to put it pretty simple, the you should run the most amount of miles, kilometers time, however you measure it, you should do the most that you possibly can. Now, that doesn't mean you should just run or you should aim to do 70 miles a week, 100 miles a week. There's a point where there's going to be diminishing returns for this event specifically, where your recoverability, your strength, and just, again, that muscle damage that you're taking on will, will be so big that your results won't follow in line to what, the way that you want to. So in terms of how much to run, it is as much as you possibly can while still being able to maintain the strength and recover well so you can hit the station work appropriately and still give the station work time that it needs to improve, right? You can't just do all running and then be like, and not do any of like ski or rowing or any of the skill work. You'll get better at running for sure, but your results in high rocks might not be there. So I know it's not a great answer. In general, what I've found is that a span from 30 miles a week to like 70 miles a week seems to be where most athletes are in this space right now. Potentially, there's athletes doing a little bit more. I don't know. Potentially, there's athletes doing a little bit less. Um, I would imagine that if you can get yourself into 30 miles a week of running, that's like a concerted effort to improve and to increase the amount that you're doing. Right. Oftentimes it'd be people running whatever, three days a week, five miles at a time. You know, like that's 15. So if you can double that and put yourself in 30, that's very sustainable. 30 miles a week is not a ton for really anybody, as long as you're building yourself up slowly and trying to get yourself to a place that you can feel that you are being safe in this, in this uh, journey as a runner, then I would think 30. Uh, the most I really think athletes are going to need to do, and if they are pretty efficient as a runner and pretty confident in their ability to get there over the course of years and years and building things up, I think 50. I think 50 would put you in a really good spot. 50 miles per week is probably the highest that I would, I would recommend. And in terms of frequency, right? Like how often then? And I think this is kind of the same answer. As much as you possibly can, as frequent as you can run, the more you're going to build that skill, 
the better it will become. So it doesn't necessarily mean seven days a week. But if you can put in some kind of running, whether it's a warm up, a cool down, some sort of aerobic double, something that you could kind of work aerobic work in with some machine work that does have to do with running. If it's 400 at a time, if it's a mile at a time, if it's five miles at a time, whatever that looks like, I think more running and more frequent running is also a really, a, a really low hanging fruit in terms of where to go to improve on your running. So frequency is same answer as much as you possibly can while keeping everything else, <clears throat> excuse me, while keeping everything else in order. So in practicality, I would say four days a week, <laughs> three to four. I think four is a really sweet spot when it comes to high rocks with these high rocks athletes. If you can get a fifth day in, then that, that's, that's really solid. Say you have one day completely off and then another day of off running and then five days of running it. That's good. That's a good, solid work that you're going to be putting in, in terms of the frequency. So, so three to five, I would want it more four to five, I think is going to put you in a better spot. So that's what I'd recommend in terms of the frequency in our running program. It's about four days per week. And then there's always an option to do some sort of extra easy aerobic work if, you, if your body can take it. In terms of intensity, how, how hard and how frequent should the intensity be? For the intensity when it comes to running, I think, I think there should always be one dedicated run-specific workout per week where it's, you're doing nothing else but working on the skill of running and developing the specific fitness that running will give you. Now, the more you do that, the, the better, of course. This is not what we're talking when it comes to running specifically. But it doesn't need to be much more than two. For, for standard run-specific programs, like if you are just running, uh, I don't know, you want to get good at a 10K, you want to get good at a marathon, there's probably two real specific days a week of running intensity where you're running a little bit faster and you're going to be putting in a little bit more heavier demands on your body. And it's generally too because the the rest of the days need to be focused on recovery and and putting in putting in volume. Uh, again, running is damaging. It, it, it's not like doing uh, 500 meter repeats on the ski erg where they're hard in the moment, and then two hours later you're just like ready. <laughs> you're like physically feeling okay as long as you've covered your bases like nutritionally and with hydration, whatever. You know what I'm saying. With running, like something happens, <laughs> like you really can be pretty beat up from this and you can be beat up for a couple of days after. So I think two days a week of specific run intensity is about where you, where you need to be at the, the highest end. So one day a week is a great spot. <laughs> if you can do one specific dedicated, two is better. Two is better. Three is too much. Three is too much. But one, it's like, uh, it's like that's the old saying when it comes to, to cocktails right? You're drinking cocktails. One is, one is not enough and three is too many, right? Two cocktails, that's plenty. That's all you need. Running workouts are like cocktails. So what are some of the factors here that, that will play into what, what's going to help you run, right? Why, why are we doing these running workouts, these running specific programs? And what are we trying to improve? So the way I kind of look at it, it boils down to four or five different aspects of fitness that we want to address here. The first one is running economy, uh, running efficiency. They kind of go hand in hand. The other one's aerobic fitness. Then we talk about specific aerobic fitness, specific muscular endurance, and then specific anaerobic fitness and capacity. So those are the five aspects that 
that we want to address when we are designing a run program for ourselves, for the athletes that we coach, and for this 12-week program that we have put together. So the first thing that, that I think is is really critical and somewhat overlooked here is the running economy, the running efficiency. So basically this is how much, how like, so there's VO2 max, right? It's basically your aerobic capacity, how much oxygen you can take in and utilize. And that is kind of a, a fixed number. There's some different factors, like training does help develop this and like specific training helps develop this. And like your, mus your muscular size can help uh, a factor of how much oxygen you can actually take into your muscles because of like the sheer number of just the total um, milliliters of oxygen that do come into your muscles. Like there's factors that are outside of uh, outside of training that can make these scores a little bit bigger or smaller. But when we're talking about like economy or efficiency, it's basically the percentage of your VO2 max that you can hold. So it's not necessarily how much you can take in. It's how well you can use that oxygen once it does come in. So if you're working at, if you have a big VO2 max, but you can only work at 50% percent of your max someone who has a lower max who can work at 80 percent is going to be like just moving faster for a longer amount of time the way i try the way i kind of break this down and if you were a recruit in basketball who had all the pieces right who was like six seven seven foot wingspan but can't dribble can't shoot like your high-end potential is better if you work on the the skills of basketball where if you're six foot and super skilled in every and every aspect of the game like your production is going to be better on the court than someone who has the pieces but doesn't have the skills right so what we're talking about with running economy is the skills of running the good news here is that it's not that crazy of a skill it's not like it's not like dribbling and shooting a basketball. It's much more simple. The bad news is we've been wired to kind of move inefficiently. We've never really been taught how to run, right? And like just running is like, oh, this is like one foot in front of the other. Like starting in gym class when you're in first grade, you just go out and run or whatever. And the footwear that we have and the, like the the modeling of of what we're trying to, to accomplish while running changes or it's not great. You know, it's not like it's not meant for efficiency. So a lot of it has to be do like undoing a lot of the work that you've done that have, that you've just kind of grown up doing in terms of like your movement patterns. So it's a bit of a mental game too. So there's two parts of efficiency really. It's like practice making perfect and perfect practice making perfect where if you want to really hone in and become an efficient runner you need to practice perfect you will become more efficient in the positions that you are moving through if you are just running more often it's going to put you in a bit more of a risk of injury if you're not mo moving efficiently but it, you still can get better in those positions right so a couple of examples of this would be like an ultra distance runner somebody who runs 100 miles at a time they're not like they don't have great looking running they kind of shuffle along right? They become very efficient in this movement that is like less demanding or requires less energy because they're not, they don't need to go that fast. So they can kind of shuffle along and it's just about the long game, right? You don't see like ultra runners running like 
the finals of the 5K at the Olympics, right? That's not what those runners look like because those that position that these 5K runners, like the demands and the energy that they need to put out for that is too high that even if you do practice like that over and over and over, over the course of a, a hundred miles, like it's not going to be efficient. So they need to, to really practice running in a way that's going to be efficient for their actual demands of the race. So that's why they kind of like shuffle along, right? And again, to use another basketball analogy, you will get better at like a two-handed set shot or like a grandma shot underneath your legs if you do it over and over and over and over. You will get better at shooting the basketball that way, but it's still not going to be as good as if you actually practice like proper mechanics, your elbow lined up underneath your follow-through, um, coming off like your index and middle finger and making sure that that guide hand is completely out of the way of the basketball. Like that's going to be the best way to improve your high-end ability as a shooter, same thing when it comes to running, right? You can get better in those positions that you are currently running in with the amount of volume that you're putting in and the more time that you're spending on your feet. But to really maximize your ability as a runner, you'll want to try to run better. And this this does like, so a couple of ways you can kind of go about doing this <clears throat> that, I mean, you can get some sort of professional analysis, right? Like, that is going to be the best. Get someone's eyeballs on you. Someone who's seen seen people do this over and over, and can can pick out a couple of frequently seen issues that arise for runners them themselves when it comes to their their ability to run well. So you can get some eyeballs on you. Uh, that would be the best. It's going to be a little bit more costly. It might not be uh, available in every geographic location across the world, but you might have to seek it out. It might be a bit more of a pain, but it, it's going to be the most effective. Another one is just to record yourself running a little bit and try to emulate runners that you feel like look good and fast while they run. Most fast, like fast, fast runners move well. Like there's not going to be that like shuffle along or someone moving side to side, like someone's on the ground too long, something that's not powerful. Like they don't, there's a ceiling for them and it is well below that 5K Olympic finals. So just watching what some of these high-end runners look like running and just trying to run like them and recording yourself and just trying to emulate those positions and emulate the way that they move, that's a much easier, like kind of simple, digestible way to do it. It takes concerted effort. It takes mental effort to work on that. So that's what we like to do in this in our program. We have a, a workout every week called mechanical uh, fart lick. So what that is is just moving between what you feel is really good running form where it's like you're leaning on your midfoot, you're leaning forward, upper body is all going in, in one direction, moving forward, your, uh, land, your foot is landing underneath your hips. Things are good. And then do that for a set amount of time, two to three minutes, and then just revert back to the positions that might be a little bit more comfortable in from, from your previous experience. That's going to be the thing too. It's going to be kind of like taking a step back before moving forward because you're not going to be as efficient in these really proper like running mechanics as you are in your current running mechanics because you've just had so much more practice in your current ones. So it might feel more challenging. It's not like, oh, I'm now a faster runner because my foot is landing underneath my hips and I'm, dry, I'm pulling up with my hamstring a little bit more. And those, it's not like a one-to-one. -one. So moving back and forth between what is really good form and your current like efficiency, a current efficient form of what you have is a great way to uh, 
to practice these running mechanics without it being like over overwhelming. Cause at a point it can be more of a, like I said, more of a mental exercise and you'll get fatigued, you'll get fatigued mentally and just kind of drift back into what is, uh, like of habit. So you don't even have to really think about it. So your running economy, your running efficiency, your running skill, that is extremely low hanging fruit. And it's something that is going to be the volume of time that you're going to be out there. Also things that can help that are just easy long runs. Every week we have a long run that starts between 40 and 50 and ends up toward 90. I think 120 minutes is probably as long as anyone's going to need in, uh, for a high rocks event, a two hour long run. Um, and I would be cautious with something with that distance that to me is a pretty big beat down physically, mentally. Um, and so to really work yourself up into that, but that's also going to help with your running economy and making sure that you're becoming e efficient in those positions. It's just those easy runs, honestly, easy runs, zone two work while thinking about running well, or it's so effective in helping your ability to run fast <clears throat> because you will be using less oxygen in those positions and everything is going to be delivered in a much more efficient way. Another piece that we want to uh, account for here is your aerobic fitness. And your aerobic fitness is basically like how well your heart pumps blood to get uh, oxygen-rich blood to the muscles that are working so that that can run through the cycle that it needs to run through so that you can continue to get oxygen to those muscles and you can work in an aerobic state. So you don't become anaerobic in like your specific movements too soon. Your aerobic fitness is going to help move well while being aerobic, right? So <clears throat> this can be done um, in a couple of different ways. Uh, aerobic fitness in general doesn't need to be done running. You know, you can build your aerobic fitness really, really well through, uh, through rowing, through skiing, on the bike. And aerobic fitness responds really well to volume. Um, the idea with this, uh, like the mitochondrial, <clears throat> excuse me, geez, huh. When I'm just talking straightforward, I don't have any time to like clear my throat other than when I'm freaking talking. I apologize. So like mitochondrial density, that's basically the, you know, the powerhouse of the cell, if you will. I want to go back to like eighth grade science there. Uh, that kind of starts this cycle of, of, uh, of recreating uh, the energy. I, I'm not going to get all the way into it. I'm going to kind of screw up some of the terminology here. But basically, the more of that you have, the more it's going to help get that cycle through so you can stay in an aerobic state. And so when you're working in volume, you'll create more mitochondria because they kind of like butt off um, when they need uh, a more amount of them to prepare for the amount of aerobic work that you're doing. That is huge when it comes to aerobic fitness. Uh, and that, that also doesn't always get uh, accounted for if we work into like that zone four, zone five, like that high end stuff that you're going to be doing a little bit more anaerobic, that kind of shuts off the amount of aerobic fitness you can develop within that session. They don't, like you can get a little bit of both in all of them, but there's a, there's a certain point where when things become anaerobic, you're not going to be developing these aerobic mechanisms that will help you become anaerobic, uh, stay anaerobic longer, recycle that anaerobic byproduct. You need the aerobic work in there as well. So I wouldn't say that the aerobic fitness needs to be built through running, but the specific aerobic fitness does, right? Like being able to uh, have specific 
um, carbohydrate storage in the areas that you need to while you're running, um, so the glycogen storage, it's going to just be more efficient in those positions while standing upright where on the row, on the ski, on the bike, it's low impact. So you're, you're not taking on as much damage. So you're not, your aerobic system isn't working as hard. Um, I just think aerobic, aerobically like running is the best way to build it. Um, it's not the only way, but I think it's the best way. And it's also specific, right? So building that aerobics specific and the, and the way that we do this again, those mechanical fart licks are really good for this because you're going to be staying aerobic during those. It's not like an interval based workout. It's just an efficiency workout while being aerobic. The zone two long runs are very helpful. And also zone three work is going to be your, basically your aerobic threshold, your aerobic capacity style workouts where you're not getting quite into that anaerobic state where you're with like really fast, uh, fast intervals that are going to take you beyond what you can do for longer than like 20 minutes, right? So the zone three work, that's generally what you're going to be doing that you can hold for about an hour of work. We call it your aerobic threshold. And uh, in the program, we do aerobic threshold intervals and we're doing what I just call aerobic intervals, which are kind of like low end zone three. So the high end zone three, which is like your aerobic threshold, gets real close to where your body is about to um, move into an anaerobic way to create energy while running. And then you just sit right under that. So you can run faster than what you would and still get the aerobic benefits. The issue with that is that you're like toeing the line. You can get over that pretty, pretty easily. And a ways to... Uh, Kind of mitigate that through training is to have really low rest. Very short rest is going to cap your ability, your wantingness to go super hard because you have a lot of reps with very low rest. So it's going to be not sustainable if you're not checking your pace or increasing the duration of these intervals is a pretty effective way to also do that. Like your aerobic threshold intervals getting up to uh, a mile, a mile and a half, um, just because you're going to need to go slower to maintain that. But at the same time, you're not going to be running as fast as you possibly can in that. So what we do for your aerobic threshold intervals, we're starting at like 400s with 30 seconds rest. And that way you can run fairly fast without, um, but not so fast that you're getting anaerobic and not going to be able to accomplish the 12 to 16 to 20 intervals that we have here. And then we build up to uh, thousands and miles is where we kind of stop in this program. As you start at 400s, by the time you get to the miles, you're probably going to be running pretty similar on those miles in terms of pace that you did for those 400s. So we build your aerobic capacity, your high-end zone three. If you're going to go off heart rate, this is going to be like 80-ish percent of your um, max heart rate. Or if you're going off your aerobic threshold zones, it's literally that. It is what your heart rate would be at your aerobic threshold if you've done like uh, an aerobic threshold uh, functional power test or whatever, FT, whatever. Messing up the terminology on that one. But basically like a test where you would find where your aerobic threshold is. That's just like sitting right at that number of for your heart rate. And that's, what's going to um, really boost your, your high end running potential. We also have those aerobic intervals, which is going to be kind of slower, more like 75%. Uh, so it's kind of the low end of zone three. So I like this specifically for high rocks because it's longer volume, the longer intervals, They'll be one to like three miles and they're kind of like grindy. So they feel more like what running feels like in high rocks rather than uh, 
where the aerobic threshold's a little bit, it's faster. The aerobic threshold intervals are faster than what you're going to be able to run on your race day. But if you slow that down and you're kind of working the low end of zone three, you're going to amass more volume. And so you're going to take on a little bit more muscle damage and it's going, the pacing is going to feel a bit more similar to what feels like for high rocks. So that's kind of both of our, our intensity days. We have one aerobic intervals and one anaerobic, one aerobic threshold session. The idea is to build that zone three. So you're still working your aerobic fitness and your aerobic capacity, but you're, you're running faster than what you would for your easy runs. So you're getting a little bit of that speed work and really the running that we need to do for high rocks is not fast. Most distance runs and most distance events in general, you're not running fast. Like you can do your high rocks pace. If you do that for 400 meters, like it'd be slow, right? Like the running's not that fast. So even if you're working a little bit faster than what your high rocks pace would be, that's still speed work. That's going to mechanically make you faster, but you don't need to like be doing 200 all out. We don't do really do any type of anaerobic running when it comes to um, this program or our programs in general. If you need to work on your anaerobic fitness, I would work on it in the stations. Uh, I think there's some benefit to that, but really to improve your speed as a runner, you just need to run a little bit faster than what your, your, the race demands are improving your 400 ability. Like, yes, that's going to help some, that's going to help some. But like, not that much because you're never going to be in that, that that type of running position because running for distance and running for sprinting is is different. <laughs> like your mechanics change. So it's not going to be the same like your fast ability. So oftentimes people want to run fast. I'm like, I just need to be like faster. But really, if you just do like the threshold work and the aerobic intervals, like you're going to get faster for sure and and stronger on that end. Another piece here is that you need to account for is the specific muscular endurance. And this is something in high rocks that is just so huge. And it's so easy to do with strength work that you think all the muscular endurance is done during like lunges and wall balls and like, yes, for that specific movement, but there's a lot of muscle damage that is going to happen when running those thousand meter uh, intervals during a high rocks, especially on that concrete floor that you're going to need to, you're going to need to recreate that type of muscle damage for uh, in training just so you're able to handle a lot of times when, when athletes end up cramping in this, um, I think it has a lot to do with the muscle damage that you're inflicting while running, uh, concurrently with the station work. Right. And it's just like a lot, a lot, a lot of muscle damage. And eventually, uh, the, that's what I believe leads to cramping often. So making sure you're, you're inflicting this type of damage during training is, crucial for your, your muscular endurance and your muscular endurance is one of the first things that will, uh, like decondition. <clears throat> so if you were, so like this needs to be present, like pretty close, uh, to your race efforts. And so if you're just like trying to like not run your during like prep and just kind of, I don't know, doing a lot of machine work, like yes, your aerobic fitness and your station fitness will be good, but the muscle damage and the muscle endurance that you'll need for the event just won't be there. So you need to spend time creating this damage in training, right? Like, like you do for lunges, like you do for wall balls. It's the same thing for the running and probably more important, right? Like the, like just so you, just because you can do so much more volume of running because it doesn't inflict an incredible amount of damage the way that lunges would, but you, you can spend more time running 
then you can do a lot of the other work in because it's like minimal damage for a long duration. So it's like spending time running is definitely going to help you improve this muscular endurance. And it's really, it's going to be really, really important for uh, your race day effort. That's why like the volume is important. Like why I said like the volume, the most, the most you can do, the frequency, the most you can do, but really those low end zone three runs, the aerobic intervals, the high end zone three work, the aerobic threshold and your long runs and your, every piece of running this running program is built to help your muscular endurance. And that's why having it built in through the entire time is just, and, and building it progressively throughout is just going to improve your endurance that but when you get yourself onto the course, you will, uh, you'll be much more conditioned to take on the damage of the event. Uh, so a lot of times if you are cramping, if you're kind of falling apart, um, it could be the muscular endurance part of just running. You know, you can do a ton of gym work and be like, oh man, I should be so good, but you're not doing it specifically for running. So that's going to be one of the main holdups on, on that end. So those are really the, the pieces that we're accounting for when it comes to running for high rocks. There's definitely some anaerobic fitness and capacity that can be built that is specific um, when it comes to these events. And aerobic anaerobic work is pretty uh, specific to the movement that you're doing. So if you're just like, I'm going to work my anaerobic work on my rowing, on my sled work, like, yes, that works, but also, but you'll need to have a little bit of ability to sustain that when you are running. So when you come out of an, like say a uh, uh, anaerobic bout of sled pushes, your ability to um, kind of move that byproduct um, while running is, is very important. So you can do a little bit of anaerobic work and anaerobic fitness and capacity because it's very specific when it comes to running, but building your bigger aerobic base and your aerobic engines is what's going to help the most when it comes to kind of dealing with that, that byproduct that you are creating um, during these anaerobic station bouts. So in summation, the volume, as much as you can do while maintaining your fitness in other areas, generally 30 miles a week is a great floor for people to shoot for. It's, it's going to be challenging, mo probably going to be more than you're doing. 50 is probably the ceiling I would recommend. 70 is the maximum ceiling, <laughs> but if you can do more, you can do more. Uh, so as much as you, as much as you possibly can, I think what I've found for most high-end athletes here is uh, 60, 70 is about as high as it's going to get. Frequency as much as you can, as often as you can. But really, four days, four to five days a week is perfect. And intensity, two days of run specific workouts per week. Def absolutely one specific just run workout. You want to improve your running economy, your running efficiency, mechanical threshold work, working in like an efficient efficient positions. Your aerobic fitness will develop specifically for running. Uh, when it comes to your zone three work, um, work to zone three, low and high. Those could be your two intervals per week. That's basically what we're doing here at the program. And making sure you're spending time on your feet, developing muscular endurance for running, not just for lunges, not just for wall balls, not just for sled push. For running, that's going to be a, a massive, massive part of your improvement when it comes to running. So I hope that's helpful. Let us know what questions you have on this end. We have 
a cool challenge that we're going to roll out for app members here in the next four to five weeks. Have some more details coming with that. We'll have Ryan Kent. We'll have Meg Jacoby back on this podcast in no time. Not sure what the what the holidays are going to look like. Maybe we'll take a, a week or two off, and uh, it's really getting down to that time. So thank you, everybody, for uh, listening, for checking out what we're doing here at RMR. It means a lot. If you could drop us a review or just like five stars on Spotify, if you think it's worth five stars, then please do that. That's, that's super helpful in terms of credibility for us. Um, and yeah, make sure if you're interested in that app, $14.99 a month. It has several 12-week programs. We just launched this 12-week Hyrox uh, running for Hyrox. We have a Hyrox training program. We have a DecaFit training program. We have weekly um, daily programming that kind of follows along the things that we're currently doing and kind of things that we're practicing around with. So if you have time like in between uh, some events or you just kind of like a little bit of flair in your workouts, you want some inspiration, it's a great spot for that as well. We'll have more programs rolling out as well. But until then, make sure you give us a follow on Instagram, hit us up on there. That's where we're going to be most able to uh, respond to whatever questions you might have. But I appreciate you all. And I will talk to you soon.